0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, the Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. We are in a series right now called Origin. It's a study on the book of Genesis. We're taking the time very slowly to process through the book of Genesis. Week 1, we looked at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through the first portion of three. Week two, we looked at the difference between evolution and creationism. Week three, we came back to Genesis verse one, chapter one, verse one, and we hung out there the entire time. Well, tonight is going to be no different. We're going to hang out in Genesis chapter one, verse one. I want to take as much time as needed in this series because I want us to really understand the foundation of what the Bible rests upon. Someone once said that until you understand the first 12 chapters of Genesis, the rest of the Bible just is not going to make sense. I'm going to encourage you to really dig in and really take a look at this foundation, this truth that is found in the Word of God. Our text tonight is Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1, once again, and it says, In the beginning, say it with me, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why is that important? Why is it important that we wrap ourselves around the fact that God is the one that created all things? Well, tonight I want to take the time to look at who God is, and we're going to apply it to our lives. After all, last week we discovered that if we fail To understand the God of Genesis, we will never understand the God of the resurrection. Are you with me on that tonight? Until you understand the God of creation, until you understand the God that spoke life into existence, until you understand the God in the form of Holy Spirit that hovered over the face of the earth, until you understand that God the Son was involved in creation, until you wrap yourselves around who God really is, the God of creation, the God of Genesis, you will never truly understand the God of the resurrection. Why is that? Because we need to understand who God is from the very start of us. Not the start of him. He supersedes all time. But the start of us. So we can truly understand what he has done for us. Let me recap very quickly. And we're not going to hang out on them. I'm going to touch them and move forward. Ten characteristics of God that I shared with you last week. I want to take time to recap them so we can apply what we're learning right afterwards. Number one, God is eternal. Psalm 90 verse 2 Before the mountains were born Before you gave birth to the earth and the world From beginning to end You are God There is no beginning to God There is no end to God There is no middle to God God always is, always has been, and always will be Number 2, God is faithful Numbers chapter 23 says God is not a man So he does not lie He is not human, so he does not change his mind He has Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God is faithful. Over and over and over again, the Bible says his faithfulness endures forever and ever and ever. Number three, God is just. By the way, this is how this was supposed to go last Sunday night. Number three, God is just. God's justice is perfectly fair when measured on the eternal scale. It may not always make sense. It may not always be what you want, but it's certainly what you need. Number four, God is love. By the very nature of who he is, the Bible says God is love. God and love cannot be separated. The two of them go hand in hand. It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly. The two of them go together. Number five, God is all-knowing. The big churchy word here is omniscient. God knows everything. Number six, God is all-powerful. This is omnipotent, all-powerful. There's nothing too hard for him, nothing too difficult for God. In fact, Jeremiah 32 says, nothing is too hard for you. Luke chapter 18 says, what is impossible for man is possible with God. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Number seven, God is everywhere. The big churchy word is omnipresent. God is everywhere. He's, there's not a place in this world that you can go and hide. There's not a place that you can hide out that God is not there. Everywhere you go, there he is. Psalm 139 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. I shared with you last week that that can be a scary thing if you're really running from God. But if you're right where you need to be with him, let me tell you, there's no place I would rather be but right in the very presence of God Almighty. There's no way that I would rather walk but side by side with my Lord and Savior, the one that's got my best interest in mind. God is everywhere. Number eight, God is righteous. He is sinless, he is holy, he is perfect. He has no sin nature and never violates his own word. Number nine, God is sovereign. There's absolutely nothing that happens in the universe that's outside of God's influence or his authority. He is a sovereign God. Number 10, God is truth. Psalm 33 says, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. The word of the Lord holds true. We can trust everything he does. Everything that God says or does is true. We'll discuss that a little bit more in detail in a few moments. So let's get right into the message tonight. Isn't that amazing? I recapped an entire message in like three minutes flat. Aren't you impressed? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Three observations of our Creator. Number one is this. God must come first. So often we try to place God somewhere on this sphere of our life or this cylinder of our life. But the, really the truth of the matter is God must be the core of all that we do. And everything else pinwheels off Him. God must come first. In the beginning the Bible says God. In the beginning, God. God came before anything else. When I look at our passage from Genesis, the first thing that I see, the first thing that comes to my mind is God is first. He was before all things and, be, and that because of this, he ought to have first place in our lives. Look at it this way. If the first day would not have come into being or into existence without God, isn't it also true that God still creates our day today? In fact, Psalm 118 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will celebrate in it. Are you rejoicing in the day that God has set before you? Or are you simply going into robot mode and simply muddling through life with no hope and no purpose? The way to true purpose is to set God as the first place in your life, in all that you say, in all that you do. This is the day that God has made. I will rejoice. I will put Him first and foremost into my life, in every situation, in every step that I take. Isn't it true that apart from God, our days would be nothing? Isn't it also true then that our lives ought to bear witness to the fact that we wouldn't even have life apart from God? If he was before us and if he is the one who made us, then shouldn't, we, or shouldn't he have first place in our lives? Shouldn't our lives reflect what is seen in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. In your personal life, in the beginning, God. In your family's life, in the beginning, God. In your social life, in the beginning, God. In your work life, in the beginning, God. In your church life, in the beginning, God. The list goes on and on in everything you do, everywhere you go, and everything you say, in the beginning, God. It was A.W. Tozer that once said this, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once oh that's good i wish that would have been my quote that's good stuff right there. The moment that we place God at the very core of all that we are, the moment that we make him the most important, the moment that we bring everything else and we push it to the side, but we bring God to the very core, to the very center of who we are, and he has the, the most important placement in our lives, suddenly everything else seems to fall on, into place. In fact, Matthew chapter 6 says this, but seek The kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, put God first, and all of these things will be added to you. God must come first. Oh, well, Pastor, you know, I've got this going on in my life, so God kind of takes second seat. It's not going to work, folks, it's not going to pan out. Until you place him in the position that he is created or that we are created to place him in, until we put him into that place of, of first and most importance in our life, until we place him there, nothing else is going to work. A pastor friend of mine several years ago made this statement, there's a, a God-shaped void in all of our lives longing to be filled by him. Yet we try to, to place this in and, Place that in, we tried to put that round peg in the square hole and that, that triangle. Do you remember that little toy that we had as kids? It was that ball that, I think it was a yellow and red ball, or blue and red ball and had all the shapes, and you had to put the, the round peg into the round hole and the square into the square and the star. you guys remember that? see, a lot of us in our lives, that, that toy is kind of like our lives. The problem is we're trying to take that square peg and put them in the God-shaped hole, and it's not working. And then we get frustrated, we get aggravated. Why is this not working in my life? Why aren't things panning out? Why aren't things going the way that I want them to go? Because you haven't put God first. You're searching for love in all the wrong places. You're, You're trying all these other things, and it's just not going to work. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Second observation, first off, God must come first. Number two, God is powerful yet loving. God is powerful yet loving. He could have just been a, a powerful God. He could have just said, let there be lights. He could have just spoke life into existence and not really had a, a care or a connection. But remember, God in all the parts were in part of creation. And the Holy Spirit was hovering with a concern and a care over the emptiness of the, of the earth. God is powerful yet loving. God took, took something that was without shape. A formless void, something that was covered in darkness, and he made something out of it. God gave shape to that which was shapeless. He brought order to that which was chaotic and without direction. He gave form to something that was formless. Genesis 1, verse 2. Look at that. We're making progress tonight. Into verse 2. That's All right. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Over and over in chapter 1, we see the extreme power of God being illustrated upon creation. At just a word, creation begins. Balance begins. Chaos becomes order. Life as we know it becomes a reality. At the moment that he speaks, something begins to happen. Ten times in the first 29 verses, Ten times in the first 29 verses, the Bible says, Then God said, instantly following those words, something transpired. Something happened that wasn't there before. Lights appeared. There was separation of earth and sky. Land and sea were divided. Plants began to grow. The sun and the moon took shape. Fish began to swim. Birds began to fly. Animals began to roam the earth. Then in verse 26 It says that he, he said this, let us make man in our image, and it was done. They're powerful words when God speaks. Now remember, all that God is was involved in creation. That means Jesus was there as well. Hebrews chapter 13 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this God that is Powerful and loving is not only the same God that created the world and spoke life into the existence. He's the same God that hangs out with us today. That same power that was present when chaos became order. That same power that was present when plants and animals and birds and fish were formed. That same power that was present when each and every star was hung in the sky. That same power is present today for you and for me. That's reason to celebrate. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says this For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you, he will neither fail you nor abandon you. God is powerful, yet God is loving. God will go personally before you, God will pave a way. Before you? Are you seeing the importance of understanding the one that was there before it all began? In order to grasp all of forgiveness, we must understand the foundation of God. But where did I get the loving part? For God is all powerful, we get that, but where did the loving part come from? Besides the fact that we know that God is, according to 1 John 4 8, by definition, love, we see that each time. He creates something. He takes a moment and allows it to go through quality control. And he makes this statement. It is good. Then when everything was complete, he looked over all creation and he made this statement. Genesis 1, 31. Then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. God didn't settle for mediocre. God didn't settle for, okay, that will do. But God, in all of his love and all of his compassion for you and for me, took the time to create what we know as our world and our lives. And he says, it is very good. God is all-powerful, yet loving. Look at observation number three. God can be trusted. Some of you struggle with this a little bit. After all, you live in the show-me state. You make statements like this. Well, pastor, how can I really trust in something that I cannot see? Well, that's where faith comes into play. We discussed that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Faith is believing even when I cannot see it. It's trusting in the, the one that has never and will never let us down. 2 Corinthians makes this statement, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Let me say that again. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory every promise in god's word is fulfilled in christ christ has become our hope christ has become our fulfillment i challenge you today to put your complete faith in god rely on his promises i guarantee you this he will never let you down psalm 33 says this for the word of the lord holds true and we can trust everything he does Look at three reasons why we can trust God. Number one, God is never surprised. Come on, look at this. That's important. There's never going to be a time in your life when God goes, Huh, I didn't see that coming. Huh, you're experiencing that struggle. I didn't realize that was going to be around the corner for you. God is never surprised. In fact, Psalm 139 says this, "O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I'm traveling and when I'm rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord." Guess what? When you're upset, God already knows. When you're sad, God already knows. When you're disappointed, God already knows. When you face difficulty, God already knows. When you're struggling, God already knows. When you get good news or even bad news, God already knows. There is not a time in your life that God is going to be or has been surprised. He already knows what is going to happen, and he has a plan for your life. Not a plan for destruction, but Jeremiah says a plan for hope. And a plan for a future. Why not trust in the one tonight that's already got it figured out? I mentioned last week a song that we used to sing as kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. Either we believe it or we don't. Either it's a fact or simply a fun song to sing. I challenge you to put your trust In the one that holds the world in his hands. And start tonight. The second reason why I can trust God is God's mercies never run out. Come on. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. Or one translation says they begin anew, they're created new every single morning. His love never ends. Literally, this means he keeps us from destruction. That's good news. That's good news. He, he keeps us out of harm's way. He keeps us out of destruction. How does he do that? Because he's never surprised. His mercies never run out. I don't know about you, but that's so encouraging to me. God makes new mercy for me every single day. I'm sure, I'm certain that there are days when we're getting close to the end of the day and that tank of mercy is starting to get low. Anybody else ever need a little bit of refresher of your mercy? But praise God, I wake up in the morning, I look at that jar of mercy and maybe he's replaced that, that little jar with a five-gallon bucket today or a 50-gallon barrel. He's like, Chris needs a little extra mercy today. Let's make him a fresh batch today. And I love what Lamentation 3 says. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. I'm just going to stick with God. I'm going to allow him to be the very central focal point of my life. He's he's really all that I've got left. Nothing else in life is really working. I keep trying, but that that square peg doesn't fit in that round hole. I'm disappointed over and over by what's happening in life. So I'm going to lean upon God. He is all that I've got left. Why not stick with God tonight? You can trust in God and God alone. Number three, God's love. God loves you unconditionally. Now that's good. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. Did did you, did you grab a hold of that? I don't know any of you that would do that. We would respond with something like this. Well, you know what? they got what they deserved. Well, I knew they weren't going to change. They've told me they were going to change before. They told me that this time was going to be different. I knew it wouldn't. I was just waiting for them to fall again. Have you ever said that? No, not you guys. But the Bible says that God showed his love for us by sending Christ while we were still messing up. While we were still sinners. He loves you unconditionally. You see, there is no one that will love you like you need to be loved except God. You need to wrap yourself around. Some of you need to write that down tonight. There is no one that will love you like you need to be loved. Now, sometimes we want somebody to love us. We want them to hand us bonbons and and pat us on the back and say, you know what? It's going to be all right. Well, sometimes it's just not going to be all right. And we need God to step in and love us how we need to be loved. We may have people in our lives that love us. The problem is that their love is conditional. We have sort of, this sort of experience with people in life. As long as all goes well, they'll love us. But the moment that you do something that they don't like, the love that they have for you diminishes. But that's not how it works with God. God's love is unconditional. So very quickly, how, how should I respond to God? How should I respond to this love that's unconditional? How should I respond to this mercy that's new every day? How should I respond to a God that is never surprised? Number one, I must admit that I need God. I've got to admit that I need him. Psalm 33 says, We depend upon the Lord alone to save us. Only he can help us, protecting us like a shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we are trusting in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Again, there is no one that will lead you to the best path but God. There is no one that's going to take you where you need to go except God. He has your best interest in mind. Again, Jeremiah says that he has a plan for you, and that's hope and a future. I must come to the place that I admit wholeheartedly. God, I need you. God, I need you to be the central focal point of my life. God, I need everything else in my life to pinwheel off of you. God, I need you first and foremost. More than anything else, I need you. You're all that I've got left. The second response I should have is, I must commit my life to God. Now, this is hard for the church in America. Can I be honest with you? The church is easy. This church thing, it's easy. You can come or you cannot come. You can show up or you cannot show up. Did you hear on the video this morning that Teresa Vasquez she said that they have people that walk an hour to two hours every week to come to church. They walk an hour or two hours. I'm sure it's uphill both ways. For us, we look outside and there's a little flurry, and we're like, well, I can't go to church today. It's raining a little bit. Oh, I don't want to get wet today. My hair. Right? Man, we have it so easy. I must commit my life to God. Psalm 37, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. This kind of commitment takes faith. It takes a surrender of your control in your life, and giving it to the one that knows best. You may think that you have it all figured out, that you can control life better than anyone else, but I'm here to tell you tonight that God, the creator of the universe, the one that knew your name before you were even born, while you were still in your mama's belly, the one that knows every detail of your life, the one that spoke this world into existence, knows better than anyone else what your tomorrow will bring. Wouldn't it make sense to give control of your life to Him? I challenge you tonight. Admit that you need God, but commit your life wholeheartedly, completely to Him. And finally, I must follow God daily. Colossians 3.10 Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You see, this scripture isn't not a one, once and done moment. It's not a on Sunday morning, get up and clothe yourself like God. But it's every day, every time you rise, put on that spiritual armor. Clothe yourself in Him. And the more that you are clothed in Him, the more that you learn to become like Him. It's a daily surrender of yourself and turning to Him, taking up your cross daily, following after Him, even when it doesn't make sense. See, if we truly desire to follow Him, we must truly do that follow his lead. Move out of the driver's seat and let him take charge. It's a daily process of surrendering ourselves and leaning upon him completely. There'll be times in your life when it doesn't make sense, but that's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out. The Bible says don't lean on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. I don't have to have tomorrow figured out. I don't have to have every every detail of my life figured out. You see, there was a time in my life that I thought I did. And I remember having a conversation with God, and it was something like this. God, what do you have in store for my life? You see, he had called me to come into the ministry. I had just resigned from teaching, and I was at a prayer meeting, and I was saying, "God, you got to give me something. I've got a wife and a little baby boy at the house. I need to know what do you have in store. What's it look like? See, I, I, I'm a, I'm a list guy. I'm a detail guy. I like to have it figured out." But God's response kind of shook me a little bit that day. He says, When I'm ready to tell you, I'll tell you. In other words, Chris, you don't have to have it figured out. Just follow my lead. One step at a time, clothing myself in Him, relying upon Him, putting on His nature. We don't have to have it figured out because He already knows what your tomorrow holds. We simply need to learn more about Him to move forward and become a greater reflection of the One that created us in the very beginning. Tonight, let me challenge you let God begin to transform your life, let God begin to renew you. Some of you have been a Christian for a really long time, but you've gotten a little stale, you've gotten a little comfortable. Clothing yourself is not really a big deal anymore because you, you can go through the motions and everybody thinks you're still clothed. But the Bible says that we're to put on a new nature, a fresh anointing, a fresh presence of God in our lives. Let me challenge you today to allow your walk with God not to be routine or ritual. But let me challenge you tonight to allow your walk with God to be refreshed every day. To be new every morning. You can continue continue down the path you're on if you choose. That's your choice. But God said He's got a greater plan for your life and for my life let me encourage you tonight surrender completely to him give yourself wholeheartedly to him and watch the transition that takes place in your life